Welcome to King of Hearts, Queen of Sorrows, Reflections on Mobile Fighter G Gundam. I am your host, Matthew. I'm an aspiring author and selective enjoyer of anime. Uh, this is uh, Data Dive 1, G Gundam Timeline. So, uh, I'm not watching and doing the uh, multiple episodes a week or anything right now on uh, G Gundam. I'm, I'm in a break. Uh, the last episode I did was covering uh, G Gundam 11. Um, and uh, I'm, like I said, taking some time off. Um, maybe mid-December I'll get back to uh, going whole hog and uh, I'll be discussing an arc of the show. It breaks down into uh, 12 to 17 is an arc, 18 to 24 is an arc, and then 25 to 34 is basically an arc. And then it goes from there. Uh, it's just it's a really long final arc or two of the show um, all kind of set in one place. So anyway, uh, I said I would do some fun stuff and, and here's the fun stuff. Um so I'd complained about like the timeline a little bit, not complained about the timeline. I was shocked by the timeline and I meant like the timeline in the show, but, um, <laughs> I had also complained about not knowing the ages of any of the characters. And I went ahead and, um, did some digging. Uh, I, because I host or, uh, I guess host all my, uh, episodes, my podcast episodes, the actual MB3 files on, uh, archive.org. I know there's a Wayback Machine, so I decided to look in there and do some research and see if I could find something. Because, like, the Gundam Wikis, um, I didn't, like, spend hours looking at them or anything, but I couldn't find ages for the characters. <coughs> so I looked into that, and I ended up finding a, uh, like, overall timeline. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read to you my notes that I made earlier. So, here we go. I found a timeline for G Gundam, and today I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I will leave a link on the uh, page of the podcast post so you can root around the Gundam official website that I found on the Wayback Machine. Uh, it looks like this site was put up by Bandai America Incorporated, Sunrise, and the Sotsu Agency to support the uh, Western releases of the Gundam series. It featured information on several shows as well as links to products, including model kits, action figures, DVDs, and games, and even a Gundam TCG, which I didn't know existed. Like, never heard of it, never saw it in any stores, hobby shops. I played Yu-Gi-Oh for years and uh, never saw it. So that's kind of funny. Um, so one thing that tripped me up was the t uh, the Sotsu in in agency. So I looked up, you know, what is the Sotsu agency? Uh, I I'm going to put a link on the uh, the podcast post page uh, on luminousbeings.blog. Uh, anyway, here's what it is, or here's what the Gundam Wiki says. Um, Sotsu Co. Ltd. Uh, is a Japanese advertising company. It has a close relationship to Bandai Namco Holdings. History. Uh, it was founded in 1965 as Toyo Agency, um, with its with it being designated by baseball team um, Yomiguri Giants as its main agency for the design and manufacture of the team's merchandise. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I, this is a cold read, so anyway. Uh, in 1977, it changed its name to Sotsu Agency. The agency was first uh, entered in the uh, JAS... DAQ stock exchange, um, so the Japanese stock exchange, in 2003. On April, on April 1st, 2007, the company changed its name to Sotsu, uh, so instead of the Sotsu agency, just Sotsu. Um, it has been involved in the production and licensing of many different television programs, uh, beginning in 1972 with Thunder Mask. The first anime series it produced was Invincible Superman Zombot 3 with Sunrise, uh, of Gundam fame, uh, after which the company produced numerous others in 1979. It and Sunrise produced Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, so uh, I, I actually found out rooting around the wiki um, that G Gundam is the 15th anniversary like celebration of 
the Gundam series. Uh, it came out in 94, which, which lines up with 1979. Um, anyway, uh, additionally, I'm going to read to you uh, a list from the anime uh, production Sotsuko has been involved with. Um, I'll call any that catch my attention. Um, anyway, if I just read to you the timeline, this would have been like a one minute episode. So that's why I'm doing this, but and I also thought it'd be fun. So they did, there's a section here of just sunrise productions. There's Ara battler Dunbine, um, which I think I've seen stuff from that or like at least passing it on you know, different anime apps and whatever. There's combat mecha, uh, Zabungle. Then there's the Gundam series of which there are a bunch, uh, movies, TV shows, whatnot. There's Hayutaki, uh, Reunite, uh, which is, I believe that's Dragon Knight, uh, Heavy Metal Legaim. Uh, I found about, about Heavy Metal Legaim a few years ago when, uh, Kamen Rider Gaim was coming out. It was before, uh, somebody, uh, because there's some crossover between people who enjoy Gundam in the West and uh, and Common Rider, um, they linked to that, and there was speculation. Oh, is it going to be kind of like that? And I don't I don't think it was. Uh, then there's Invincible Steelman uh, Daitarn three and Invincible Superman Zombot three. And again, these are all Sunrise Productions. Uh, Jusenshi Golkiva, uh, Metal Armor Dragonar, uh, Outlaw Star, which is a uh, sort of famous anime. It, it, um, at least in the West, it was on uh, Cartoon Network, or was it? I don't think it was Adult Swim. I'm pretty sure it was Cartoon Network. I, I had a friend in high school who he loved Outlaw Stars, like his favorite anime, probably or close to it. Um, then there's this uh, Psycho Robo Daijo Daija. I don't know Iron uh, Shipu Iron Leaguer. No idea. Never heard of it. Trider G7, and then another. Um, so that's all their Sunrise stuff, regardless, I guess, of what station it aired on. But then they've got like a Nippon TV. There's this Soriiki Anpan Man. Uh, which I don't know what that is. Isn't Anpan a type of food? That might be like a joke anime, which is fine. I mean, that's cool. And then Thunder Mask, that first anime that they were involved with that I mentioned earlier, uh, reading their history, uh, was on um, was on Nippon TV. So, let's see. Uh, let's see. Anpan Man. Okay, so there's no information on the wiki about Anpan Man at all. Um, so, whatever. Um it's just a diversion anyway. Uh, then, so with TV Asahi, uh, which I think airs Kamen Rider, uh, at least partially, um, they had Burst Angel, they had uh, Gankutsu-u, uh, which is the Count of Monte Cristo, which has beautiful animation. Uh, it's like pretty pretty unique anime. Uh, there's a dub of it that I, I watched an episode or two. It was interesting. Uh, I think that was after I'd watched uh, Romeo X Juliet, and I was uh, just trying to uh, I thought, like, hey, you know, why not literary anime? That's a cool, cool thing. Glass No Conta, I have no idea what that is. Salty Ray, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Speed Grapher, that's an intense show. Um, definitely not for kids. Uh, but it was it was good. It was just very, very adult and intense. Uh, then with TV Tokyo, they did Battlehawk, Cardfight Vanguard, which I'm familiar with. Um, Capetta, no idea. Die Guard, not sure. Ease, otherwise... Earth Girl, oh, Arjuna. There's a bunch here, so maybe I'm just going to skip through and tell you the ones I know. Elemental Gelaid, there was a dub made of that. I've never seen it. Glass No Common, I think that's Glass Mask, which is, um, I think that's like on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Saber Marionette J, that's an older one. Uh, I'd seen that. It's interesting. It's about like female androids and this creepy guy with a Star of David mask, maybe? Um, anyway, w- weird stuff, uh, but interesting. Uh, let me see. Silent Mobius, I've heard of that. I have no idea what it is. Uh, again, I'm an uh, occasional enjoyer of anime. Um, Shin Tenshi Muyo, 
uh, and Tekkaman Blade. Uh, apparently, um, this is more related to going ultra, but there was a Tekkaman Blade reference in, I think, the first episode of uh, SSSS. S, Gridman. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop there. Oh, and then Virus and Those Who Hunt Elves. I, I know of those anime, but I don't know what they are. So couldn't couldn't tell you. Anyway, um, Silent Mobius. That almost looks like a Super Sentai type thing. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into it right now. Um, so after that little diversion, because if I don't know about Sotoko... Uh, I bet there are people who also don't know about it, and I thought it would just be interesting if you're interested in G Gundam at all. Um, so anyway, now onto the timeline from uh, Gundam Official, which is this you know website I, I found this all on. So uh, let's see, it says this. So I'm just reading verbatim from their their webpage. I, I took screen grabs from the Wayback Machine because I didn't want to have to rely on the link because the first time I went to the link, it was like kind of iffy. Um, so anyway, you can try it out. Like I said, the link's there in, in the podcast page post or post page, so you can find it and play around and look at other Gundam stuff there. Um, so here we go. In the world of Mobile Fighter G Gundam, dates are given according to the Future Century, or FC, calendar. This new calendar was introduced when Earth's ruling classes emigrated to the orbiting space colonies. Interesting. So it starts with the 80 calendar, I guess? Creation of the space colonies. During a frenzy of space development, Earth or each of Earth's nations constructs its own huge colony. Worker mobile suits are employed in the colony construction effort. Meanwhile, the planet's environment continues to deteriorate as the human population passes the 10 billion mark. Uh, interesting. Okay, so FC1, Future Century 1, the ruling classes leave Earth. The governing officials and upper classes of each nation escape the despoiled planet, migrating to their respective space colonies. Some 40% of the population, either unable to afford the cost of the voyage or unwilling to leave Mother Earth, remains behind. Founding of the colony nations. The political, industrial, financial, and military institutions of each nation are transferred to the colonies, and the terrestrial nations become subordinate to their respective colony homelands. The colonies begin development of military mobile suits. FC2. I, I so badly want to make political commentary on all this, but I, I'm going to stop myself. Anyway, FC2, Outbreak of the Earth Chaos War. Hmm. With the ruling classes now in space, Earth's nations experience a breakdown in public order, and regional wars break out around the world. As the situation escalates into a global conflict, an all-out nuclear war begins to seem increasingly likely. Establishment of the United Colonies Federation. With their own safety threatened by the Earth Chaos War, the space colonies dispatch the United Colonies Federation forces to seize control of the planet using military mobile suits. My goodness. Um, wow. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna make political commentary. I just finished listening to Scott Horton's um, Fool's Air in Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and uh, by the recording of this, we have, the United States has been involved in Afghanistan for 17 years. One of the most interesting observations that Horton makes um, is that the is Afghanistan and most of the Middle East um, is made up of nation states that were imposed upon the people living in those areas after um, I don't know if it was after World War One or World War Two, but basically all the colonies, all the oh gosh, all the white colonizing nations—France, Britain, uh, America to an extent, I guess, possibly—had um, all these interests in the Middle East and. Um, at some point after everybody had to pull back and like 
recover from the world wars, or I can't remember if it was World War One or World War Two, and it doesn't really matter at this point. I think it was World War Two, though. Um, all these arbitrary lines were drawn, and uh, the n- nations were, div- you know, split up from each other. And um, part of the problem with Afghanistan is that there are warring or like different distinct clans from each other. There's the Pashtun, um, who are like kind of a majority in, in Afghanistan. And uh, the Pashtun were used against the Russians because the Russians were trying to, I guess, take communism into the Middle East, um, possibly relating to oil interests, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, um, and the United States, which had experienced Vietnam, which drained us of blood and treasure, wanted to give the USSR, uh, the Soviet Union, its own Vietnam and empowered people like Osama bin Laden and his allies in order to make them able to do that. And then bin Laden, uh, according to Horton, actually according to bin Laden himself, baited um, the U.S. by the 9-11 terrorist attacks into uh, invading and having their own Vietnam because he was tired of uh, the U.S. being involved with Israel. He was tired of these colonial powers represented by the U.S. and and specifically, you know, of the U.S. being involved in his country and messing things up there and messing things up for his fellow uh, Muslims, uh, I believe is is his direct statement. Um, And specifically, he's mad at Israel and the United States' relationship with each other. He was saying, like, hey, you're a colonial power invading um, and involving yourself in my part of the world, and uh, I don't like it. Um, of course, this isn't excusing bin Laden's actions or the uh, despicable actions of the mostly Saudi um, 19 uh, hijackers uh, from 9-11 who, you know, did the terrible attack. Um, but it's just interesting. And, and to hear that uh, chaos broke out on the earth um, and that the uh, earth colonies had to militarily occupy earth in order to, to solve it m- reminds me of the same sort of thing that um, the 40 percent of the people left uh, were kind of governmentless and they were smaller bands potentially uh, and I would be really interested to see uh, that history um, but it, it reminds me of the real world history here and this was made in 94 so way before then um, and uh, honestly the problem to me sounds like it's too much government and I, it's funny to me the way this is shaking out this is still early years left there's like eight or ten more points uh, to go until we finish the timeline and get to the, the Gundam fight, the 13th Gundam fight. But um, I think the, the problem in the show is presented as the, the government, the powerful, big, wealthy, rich governments that are greedy and selfish and, and warring uh, are what's causing harm to the people of Earth. But this timeline that I'm reading seems to be saying it's kind of the opposite because of this Earth chaos war that the colonies had to tamp down on. Um, wow. Anyway, I will continue. Uh, FC4. Uh, the Earth Chaos War ends, so it lasted two years. Earth's nations are placed completely under the control of their colony homelands. A technological Cold War starts. Oh my god, yeah, of course there's a technological Cold War. Anyway, uh, the colonies begin developing advanced new mobile suits as they vie for control of the United Colonies Federation, and Earth becomes their testing ground for new mobile suit technology. Wow, this is disgusting. FC6. I, I'm a big peace activist in my real life. <laughs> so that's why I'm angry at the war. Um, and that's part of what draws me to Mobile Fighter G Gundam is that they do war through sportsmanship instead, uh, which sounds a hell of a lot more attractive than uh, what we currently have. Anyway, uh, okay, the FC6. The massive arms 
Um, Buildup caused by the technological Cold War reaches its peak, threatening to envelop Earth and colonies alike in a second chaos war. A United Colonies Federation military advisor named Professor E.C. Ducer proposes the Gundam fight as a peaceful means of deciding the leadership of the colonies. Every four years, the colony nations will enter their representative mobile fighters in a martial uh, tournament with Earth as the arena. Uh, Deucer's Gundam fight proposal is adopted, and each of the colony nations launches a Gundam development program, seeking to create its own super-advanced mobile suit, FC-8. The first Gundam fight is held. The winner is Neogrus's Hirota Dionysus, <laughs> pilot of the Vulcan Gundam. That is a ridiculous name. That is so... That's great, man. Uh, FC-12, so this is four years later. I think it's good to jump four years now. Every time the second Gundam fight, the winner is Neo-America's uh, Fia Philadel, pilot of... The Gundam Freedom. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, uh, let's see. FC-16, the third Gundam fight. Uh, the winner is Neo-Egypt's Dahul Muhammad, or Dahul Muhammad, uh, pilot of Money Gun- Gundam the third, which we, if you were listening, that was what I talked about last time. Uh, FC-20, uh, the fourth Gundam fight. The winner is Neo-China's Sai Feilong, a uh, pilot of the Feilong Gundam, who defeated defending champion Dahal Muhammad during the tournament's final round. Uh, FC-24, the fifth Gundam fight. The winner is Neo Francis Fernando Lohr, pilot of the Baron Gundam. FC-28, the sixth Gundam fight. The winner is Neo Italy's uh, Vittorio Argento, pilot of the Gundam Tornado. FC-32, the seventh Gundam fight. The winner is Neo Germany's Wolf Heinrich, pilot of the Kaiser Gundam. FC-36, the eighth Gundam fight. The winner is Neo Russia's uh, Skure, uh, oof, Zhirnovs? Zhirnovs? Zhirnovs. Pilot of the Cossack Gundam. FC-40, the ninth Gundam fight. The winner is Neo England's Gentle Chapman. I was wondering when he won. Uh, piloting the Britain Gundam? Um, not John Bull Gundam, I guess. FC-44, the tenth Gundam fight. Uh, once again, the winner is Neo England's Gentle Chapman. So that's his second win in a row. We know he's a three-peat guy. FC-48, the eleventh Gundam fight. Neo England's Gentle Chapman achieves an unprecedented third victory. Chapman's Success with his long-range rifle inspires the other colony nations to aggressively pursue their own beam weapon development programs. Amid this atmosphere of tension and distrust, the 12th Gundam fight is postponed for an additional four years. My goodness, how interesting. Um, So instead of the four-year gap jumping to 52, it goes to 56. So in FC-56, the 12th Gundam fight, the winner is Neo Hong Kong's Master Asia, pilot of the Howe Gundam, whose uh, victory redirects the attention of the colony nation towards melee combat and martial arts. Hmm, interesting. FC-59. Oh boy, here we go. The ultimate Gundam is completed at the space colony of Neo-Japan. Uh, that's the Dark Gundam. Uh, if you're not in touch with that... Um, <clears throat> Uh, anyway, Dr. Raizo Kashu and his son Kyoji develop the most powerful mobile fighter ever seen. Kyoji uh, seizes the ultimate Gundam and flees with it to Earth, where it is transformed into the malevolent Dark Gundam. As the year draws to a close, the colony nations dispatch their representatives to Earth to participate in the 13th Gundam fight. The 13th Gundam fight begins. Ready, go! And that's FC-60. Sorry. Uh, kind of muddled there for a minute. Um, anyway, so that's it. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, like, that's all the lore and stuff that I wanted. Like, um, anyway, and, and so that's really neat. Um, I don't know where that information came from other than it's from Gundam Official. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I mean, I, I trust it, and they have ages that, um, that I'll talk about next week. Um, but that's going to be it for now. I'm going to go ahead and get out of there. So remember to go out there and grasp happiness. 
I really badly wanted to say, Kyoji!